Welcome to the Shovel Pass, the NFL podcast for those that need that extra hour of football talk to get them over the hump and through the week. I'm Nick Sawyer, and I'm joined weekly by a few of my closest friends, Will Sawyer, Phil Heim, and Chris Heim, as we discuss all things NFL football from the games of the week, surprises, predictions, high performers, not-so-high performers, and anything else that stands out. Thank you for checking us out, and please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. We sincerely appreciate it. Welcome to The Shovel Pass. I'm Nick Sawyer, and this week I've got Will Sawyer and Phil Heim with me. We're through week three of the NFL season, and it seems things have only gotten wackier with several surprise 3-0 teams and an equal number of surprise teams sitting near the bottom of their divisions. This week, we each run through our week three takeaways and then shine a light on a couple of the guys that stood out to us with our Man of the Week and Donkey of the Week awards. It was great to have our resident Patriots fan back with us in the lead-up to Bucks patriots on Sunday night. Be sure to check out our bonus episodes for the Bucks patriots preview conversation and our winless watch as we toss around who could be the first-ever team to go 0-17. Enjoy! How are you, fellas? Very good. Nice to see your faces. This week we have uh, Will, as always, and uh, the other Heim, Mr. Philip. How are you? Howdy, man. Tremendous. Happy to be back after a delayed absence. Plan on not having any more of those, so happy to be back in the long run, fellas. Excited to talk some shit today. <laughs> All right. Well, we're excited to have you back. Uh, how was your trip? Excellent. Give us the cold uh, notes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to, Cliff Notes' version was to wax poetically. I became a new man in the mountains, and I don't think I'll ever want to leave him again. So, all right, <laughs> short trip. Yeah, come on, you're a good European boy. You're not going to live straight too far from home. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm trying to go as far as possible now. <laughs> and Mama won't let you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, wow, another another. Pretty spectacular week. We're 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 getting uh, spoiled the first three weeks of the season. I think there, guys. Absolutely. So this week uh, we're gonna go away from game of the week a little bit, but I figured it we could get into some some cool stuff this week with just our our takeaways. So if we, I'm gonna start with my five takeaways from the weekend, and. Uh, I tried to spread spread them out a little bit so we could we could get a little bit of everything, but you know there was a there was one particular game this week that was um, that was two heavyweights that kind of that kind of caught me. So I I, I you know I, I focused a little more on that uh, that Rams Bucks game because wow, I mean let's just say going into the season the Bucks were everybody's odds-on favorite they look formidable their roster top to bottom is deep they have third stringers that could start for another team and we we talked about it in in the previews that they lost essentially nobody and right. added people so right they're a so, super bowl team plus yeah right and to watch them go up against L.A. and the whooping L.A. handed them 
wow. And I mean, hey, listen, the Bucks didn't even play that bad. It felt like one of those games. It wasn't like, oh, the Bucks laid an egg that day, you know, they'll get them next time. No, man, Brady looked good. The Bucks looked pretty good. They probably could have kept Brady upright a little bit more, but you're going up against the Rams D-line. I mean, you do what you can do, but kind of the the way things go. And to watch the Rams execute, man, they're scary. And this is hard for me to say. You know, I would love nothing more than to sit here and say my Niners are the class of the NFC, NFC West. But from what I saw from the Rams on – uh, on the weekend, I, I can't, I can't say that, honestly. So, okay, so <laughs> here's my first takeaway from the weekend. Monday Night Football has gone through a few different iterations of their commentating crew over the past. Wow, how far back are we going to go? Two decades. None of which have been very successful. Um, I'll several of which have been really terrible and they got to do it again. They got to do it again. They have to replace those hacks that they have on Monday night football. (laughs) They are awful. (laughs) I was having a hard time sitting still watching them, watching the Niners game or sorry, not the Niners game, the, uh, the Cowboys Eagles game and listening to them tee off on Jalen Hurts. Give the guy a break. Listen, I'm not saying he played well on Monday night, but I didn't think he played horrifically. But listening to those announcers, man, it sounded like he was all over the place. He was terrible. He was missing throws. You got to make that throw. You got to do this. You got to do that. And where I'm going with this, when you watch what they've got on ESPN2 with Peyton and Eli sitting on their couches going back and forth watching the Monday night football game, that's what I want to watch. Get rid of these hacks on Monday Night Football and just let me watch Eli and Peyton Manning go back and forth from their couches. That was entertaining as hell. When Eli jumps up and starts making fun of Dak Prescott, you got, hey, Peyton, let me explain it to you. You got to flip, flick your hips. You're trying to create torque here. So when, when you flick your hips, you know, I mean, it's all about creating that movement in your hips. Look, the hips don't lie, Peyton. I'm Shakira. I'm just like Shakira. I mean, come on. That is cool. <laughs> just run with that, ESPN. Quit I'm trying to put out some, some real life, com- real big boy commentators. You're not very good at it. Just, just put Peyton and Eli. They are the best. So, now, all right. I, I, I agree with you, but it was funny reading uh, Warren Moon's take on that. Uh, oh, I think awesome. from last week, Warren Moon was hating on the Manning brothers. They're like, what is this gimmick, gimmicky shit? The, I, get those guys out of there. I want, I want quiet, intelligent commentary. These guys are jokesters. They don't belong in the booth. Get them out of here. Hey, but if you, want, listen, if you want intelligent commentary, then don't turn to ESPN Monday Night Football's commentary. Yeah, too. Like, I want well, quiet, I intelligent commentary too. So yeah. put, put a sock in it, Brian Greasy. exactly exactly anyways Uh, all right so well the gimmick worked on me what can i say you know i'm all for some forehead jokes aimed at peyton's direction and and some eli flopping around like shakira that was that was i like that that worked for me all right takeaway number two deshaun jackson wow that dude's still fast he's 34 years old and he can still take a top off a defense without even trying so two things I noticed from, from the game. 
Stafford underthrew him once. He took the top off the defense and he had to stand there and wait for the ball. <laughs> Stafford wasn't ready for it. Looked like Stafford he didn't... could have sat there with his hands on his hips. I <laughs> he know, had right? Slow down. Exactly, so exactly. Oh. Two, Stafford didn't make the mistake twice. So he nailed him on that 75 yard touchdown. That was, uh, that was cool. I've always been a big Deshaun Jackson fan. And it feels like he kind of found, he, he found that, well, the, he not he didn't find him. The Rams found what they were looking for in uh, Tavon Austin when they drafted him years ago. He never really fit the bill, lived up to the hype. But now they got this thirty-four-year-old Deshaun Jackson. That uh, man, it adds a whole another whole other dimension to that offense, and it's uh, it's fantastic. So, big props for him. Big props to him. All right, number three, uh, the Chiefs are not the best team in the league. And I don't, I think we probably would have said that before the season started. Uh, But after three games, I'm not convinced they're the best team in their division. Those Chargers are a good team. They finally figured out how to win. And Justin Herbert looks like a franchise quarterback. And I've just already said that. I said that last week. Wow, he is playing exceptionally well. So, yeah, look out for them. Sorry, Chiefs, you're you're in trouble right now. You got to pick up your uh, pull up your socks, put on your big boy pants. Uh, number four, I'm gonna say, generally speaking, I'm happy for any player that toils away on a garbage team for several years, and we all know who I'm talking about. There's there's two or three teams. There, it can only be one of two or three teams. And then gets a a shot later in their career to play for a true contender. We've seen it before. And I'm going to hearken back to, uh, might be before your time, Phil, but Corey Dillon, when he left the Cincinnati Bengals and went to the Patriots and won a Super Bowl. It was a great story. I like like seeing that. I like these guys that they put in the work and they finally get a chance to to see it pay off and play some real football with a real team. So uh, I'm going to give a little shout out to Gio Bernard, he toiled away on the Bengals for several years and now he's got a chance to play with Tom Brady and a loaded Tampa Bay Buccaneers team and watching him during the game, it looks like he has um, developed some chemistry and it's only going to get better. And I could see him being a real contributor later in the season. Just watch for that. This is that that's my, you know, I'm calling it now, but, down the stretch, he's going to be very important for them, and he's going to fill that shifty out of the backfield catching passes back and uh, put together some some real clutch plays. He's just going to get healthy though. What's that? Uh, he, he's just got to get healthy though because he sprained his MCL in the Rams oh. game. Yeah. Oh no. It's, he's not out. He's not out oh. yet. But okay. uh, yeah, they All said right. he sprained well, his MCL. I knew he went down originally. I think they they were talking about possible hamstring, uh, but but then uh, I just looked it up and, and he he's got a sprained MCL. So hopefully that's just a, a minor tweak and yeah, he can move. Okay, on well, that. all the best to Gio Bernard. I, I get well soon, buddy, because they're going to need you down the stretch and and you got some real potential to do some real damage. Um, all right, lastly, this is a real quick one of the three and O teams. I think there's a couple of them 
that are candidates to turn back into a pumpkin. Um, and I don't think that's stepping out of line to say that. There's a couple, we're not really sure what they are. Um, but I'm gonna single out Carolina and say that as impressive as their victory against the Saints was, I discounted a little bit because it's divisional and divisional games are always close. So play a top tier team outside of your division and hammer them and we'll see what that looks like. Secondly, the other two teams you played were not very good. And thirdly, they have not played from behind at all this season. So I will say I've been impressed with Darnold. I see why he was drafted high. I see what, what like the throws he can make. I see why people think he's a franchise quarterback. I think he has the potential to do really well with Carolina, but I don't know what kind of team Carolina is just yet. I want to see him get in some, some hairy situations, play from behind, be clutch a little bit. Let's get a comeback victory. Get a fourth quarter comeback, you know, get a shootout, shootout going with another good quarterback, and then we'll see where we're at with Carolina. All right, that's it for me, guys. Absolutely. Um, my my kind of dovetail off of that. So one, just talking quickly about the, the Saints-Carolina game, uh, it's hard to give Carolina too much credit. I mean, sorry, we'll give them a little bit of credit because they, they weren't just bystanders in, in this, uh, but uh, Jameis threw for 111 yards, two interceptions, and no touchdowns in that game. I would say it's fairly easy to beat a team if their quarterback throws for under 150 yards, no touchdowns, and hands over two turnovers. Uh, totally. It, like I said, their, their defense deserves a little bit of credit for that, but it's also Jameis. Uh, he, he really hasn't um, shown up every week this year and and that was definitely a week he didn't show up so it's hard for me to look at darnold and say he had a lot to do with that win i mean he didn't he didn't sewer it but uh yeah going into my five takeaways one of them was was just kind of a general i i think we've got two of the weakest three and O teams ever in nfl history with carolina and denver <laughs> like denver has played the giants the Jaguars and the Jets. Oh God, the Jets like, and the Jets. <laughs> and they're three and zero. Oh. I know, we're, and, we're and they're three and zero. Oh. And and Carolina's played the Jets, the Saints, and the Texans. Like right. they've wah. each they've each played the worst teams in the league. So the fact that they're three and zero oh is not particularly impressive. And on the flip side, I want to look at Kansas City and Seattle and say. I feel like those are some of the best one and two teams <laughs> that we've seen in a while. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're not as weak as their record. And my prediction is that we're going to see those records flip over the next few weeks. Um, Kansas city is not going to continue to lose games. Seattle uh, is in a rough division for them, but they're not a bad team. And, right. and I think, they're going to start pulling out some wins uh, as they seem to with Russell Wilson. So um, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so, yeah, that was, that was one of my takeaways. Uh, one of the others, I, I, I don't know that this is that much of a surprise, but everybody always gets really hyped up at the beginning of every year 
particularly this year with what what these fresh faces, these rookie quarterbacks can go out and do. And really, most of the time, rookie quarterbacks look like rookie quarterbacks. And they are this year. Trevor Lawrence does not look particularly impressive. Uh, Justin Fields has struggled. Zach Wilson looks unprepared for the NFL. That, that yeah. That's my take on him so far. Uh, and, and I mean, Trey Lance hasn't gotten a shot. Um, he, he's playing a subdued uh, running back role right now. So, Yeah, nor should you know. he get a shot. Just my two cents. Fair enough. Fair enough. But although after the way Jimmy played last week, uh, hmm. <laughs> well, and, and we'll get to that a little later when I start talking about my <laughs> donkey of the week. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. The, the rookie quarterbacks look raw, and and of course, as it usually happens year on year, uh, the top rated rookie quarterbacks tend to go to teams that are not all that good and we're seeing that in spades this year because the jets uh could not protect zach wilson for the life of them their offensive line was completely outmatched and i think they gave up five sacks and it was rough um so there's that and and then justin fields i mean he threw for 68 yards but he was on the run the entire game they gave up nine sacks. Oh. He had a point like, seven eight time to throw. That's, I think, <laughs> shorter than some quarterbacks' like throwing motion might be. You know what I'm saying? Point seven eight second average time to throw. That's, that's atrocious. Crazy. Phil. Yeah. yeah, and I'll get to that in Phil, a second. Like, trim, yeah. trim down version of you could give him more than point seven eight seconds. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I could. But that's, like, I have points on this as well when, when uh, Will finishes his, but like, Continue, please, because that's just atrocious. <laughs> that's a coaching error, too. Like, granted, Cleveland's got a lot of talent, but anyways, I'll get into, I'll get into my yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so like I said, I mean, we're seeing rookie quarterbacks play like rookie quarterbacks, but they also need some help, and and I don't think uh, Justin Fields is getting the protection he needs to do anything with it. Uh, so uh, we got to look for them to step it up over the season or else they're going to have a very, very long season. <laughs> and, and risk turning him into an Alex Smith. I hope not. I hope not. So uh, hopefully the Bears take that as a challenge and, and actually. Uh, In all honesty, all of them, fire. the rookie quarterbacks are rookie quarterbacks. And let's not overreact to any of them looking like complete dog shit, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Except it's a perfect that. Word. You you know you just hope you don't ruin them because that's the fear when you put them into the put them on the field too early. Absolutely, um, and uh, well, okay. So one thing that I wanted to quickly touch on as a Cowboys fan, I, I was happy to see Zeke finally show up this week. Yeah, he he looked like a genuine bell cow back. Uh, yeah. So it's been, what, five years since he's been that. Oh, he's almost up for a new contract, right? He's got to start start playing like a real real running back to, to get his get his next contract. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Anyways, for this year, uh, he, he's on the right track. Uh, I don't know if Tony Pollard playing great kind of lit a fire under his ass or or whether it's just that uh, he's getting some space now because the, the Dallas offense is opening everything up. And, uh, and yeah, like Zeke had no shortage of holes. Uh, mm-hmm. But he made use of them, which he hasn't always in the past. So uh, I was really excited to see him uh, stepping up because especially as we get into the later games in this season, that's going to be hugely important for the Cowboys and, and a playoff push is their ability to grind out games and, and get some yards on the ground. They can't just put it all on Dak's arm. Uh, so was very excited to see, see that. Anyways, I don't know if I hit five takeaways, but uh, you know, whatever. Those were my oh, takeaways. Great. This week. All right. That was great. That was great. Philip. Cool. So I got some. I, I got some. I got some good ones this week. So number one, my favorite thing that I'm looking forward for the rest of the season is I think that Matt Stafford and Kyler Murray are the clear MVP favorites, and I'm really looking forward to seeing them battle for that all season long. I can't wait to watch them. Oh, both two NFC Matt, West quarterbacks. Yes, those are your MP, MVP favorites at this time of the year. Both wow. three teams. Kyler Murray looks amazing. Kyler Murray, maybe not. Hey, uh, hey. Driven. what about Dak? Hey, listen, don't get me wrong, but I like Dak, but I don't think NFC East quarterback any is going to win. He could win Offensive Player of the Year, sure, if he throws up 6,000 yards, but when his team wins six games, then it's going to be MVP, right? So for me, it's like I'm looking at these guys who are off to incredible starts, and Kyler isn't, the, isn't quite the pure throw that Stafford is, although he's got a hell of a deep ball. He does have that extra dimension of his leg, so I'm really curious. I'm really excited to see them go out there and compete for this thing because Matty Stafford is slinging it. He's showing – why he was the number one overall pick. You're showing why he should not have been languishing in Detroit for all those years. Uh, so I'm really excited to watch those guys do battle. But speaking of Matty Stafford, my second takeaway is Derek Carr is the new Matt Stafford. The only difference is that the Raiders are finally heating up again. And now people are finally starting to see that Derek Carr is not the problem in Oakland. Or not Oakland, Las Vegas. <laughs> like for the past few years, I kept hearing that Derek Carr is a bottom tier quarterback or at least bottom 15 quarterback, which is just completely ridiculous. The man leads the NFL in for in uh, in in, in um, game winning drives since entering it like the fact he has had to overcome so much garbage with the raiders to actually win and the fact that he got them to break the postseason streak in 2016 i think it was and the last time they went went was with uh, against the super bowl in 2002 so Derek carr has only now been getting his flowers and i think it's well overdue and that's why to me he's the new matt stafford the only difference is is that now chucky seems to actually not being not being crazy and is actually seems to being a good coach and they're actually beating teams with winning records from last year too so like you guys are talking about the what was it the panthers and the and the broncos being kind of frauds let's say at three and l the raiders and Derek carr are certainly not being fraudulent that's why he's my new matt stafford and i'm really excited to see he's getting his flowers because to my mind he's for since he's been in the league he's been a top 10 quarterback this year he's a top eight at least quarterback He's playing out yeah, no, game. listen, I agree with you. And and honestly, my surprise when you mentioned Kyler Murray was that um, you were putting him in the MVP conversation and not Derek Carr. Because if you look at the numbers and the yeah. way he's playing right now, he's, he's every bit, you know. My only reason there is because I don't trust John Gruden to not fall apart after Thanksgiving. That's the thing. Is mm, John Gruden is okay. a good September and October coach. But then I forgot what the guy's stat was, but his winning percentage goes down, like I think 20% points or whatever after Thanksgiving. So I'm waiting to see if that's going to happen this year, because if it does, again, it's tough to win MVP if you aren't going to be the first team in your division. 
And the Chargers, not to say they're going to win the, the division outright, but the Chargers are giving the Chiefs grief. And granted, the Raiders are giving the Chiefs grief the past few years, but we haven't seen the Chargers in the, in the Raiders clash yet. So that's what I'm curious about is, okay, maybe, I mean, let's assume the Raiders and Chiefs split their games. What happens when the Raiders play the Chargers? What happens when Justin Herbert plays Derek Carr, right? So to me, it's kind of like, it. All, honestly, with the Raiders, I think it depends on when they draw the divisional games. If they start playing a lot of them after Thanksgiving, then we could see how that affects their standings, how that affects Derek Carr's MVP chances. But I'm happy he's finally getting his flowers. But I think for this season, I think the guys who have the best chance to win it are either Kyler Murray and Matt Stafford because their teams are, be- are better, right? Like two NFC West quarterbacks, they will be com- those guys will be competing. Whoever's not the first seed in the NFC this year, the the runner of that division will be the third. Will be the first wild card team, and they're going to definitely win on on wild card weekend. So that's all right. So the last thing I'll point out, which is interesting about all of this, is that um, poor Russell Wilson. Yeah, he's <laughs> yep. he's been in the M. He's been in the MVP conversation for feels like the better part of half a decade. And every year there's somebody better and yeah, yep. he's great, but we can't give him the MVP. And, and now you're sitting here telling me the two other quarterbacks in his division are better than him. And he's, he's, he's out of luck. Sorry. I don't think they're better than him. I think they're better than the MVP this year. Yeah. I think Russell is still better than them overall. Uh, I have yeah, I know. Team with, but that kind of takes me to the second or the third yeah. kind of takeaway you guys already touched on is the lack of success from this year's rookie quarterbacks. I think is going to do one or is going to help dispel the notion that quarterbacks, young quarterbacks are more priority than ever. That's a thing. That's a myth that we've been hearing the past three, four five years. But every time we have rookie quarterbacks, a big class of them come and set the league on fire. You're seeing even this past offseason, right? We had a, a, a plethora of veteran quarterback options on the table. And the logic in the, in the league was always, well, we'll wait and get a, and get a young guy and see if we can't turn him around. I think mm-hmm. the fact that these guys this year are floundering as badly as they are granted, Justin Fields, I think, hasn't had the best shot, and I'll get to that in the next point. But that, I think, is going to do wonders for GMs and making realize that, you know what, maybe we should take more of a look at the guys who are already in the league because, you know yeah. what, we actually aren't as sick as we thought we were. We're not as smart as we think we are, and maybe these guys coming out of college after two years actually could use a few more years in college to get a little better. And as everyone says, you have 10,000 throws before you're in high school, but you have 10,000 throws against against high school-level opponents. I don't yeah. care how many throws you have pre pre NFL. I care about how many reps you have against NFL talent. So if you're yeah. in college and playing at top tier programs and you bail after two years, then yeah, you might have had ten thousand throws at a fucking Peyton Manning summer camp or whatever. But you're not playing NFL players and you're not playing at processing speed. So that's the thing where it's like, you know what? I'm excited to see how this might change how GMs approach quarterback in the offseason again because it's a it's a I think an overdue correction away from the young and again just bring them back to, down to earth honestly bring yeah. them back down to earth there's been this this wave of young quarterbacks that have done really well really young and yeah. now everybody's believing that you got to draft a rookie and you got to get him in the lineup right away so that you can try and contend for a super bowl while he's on his rookie contract yeah it's like well that's a great idea it's great if it works but you know the idea that this is the new way to do things. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, we're only in game three, so we'll see what they end up looking like over the next several weeks. But yeah, well, good point. I, I think of the rookie quarterbacks, I think honestly, Justin Fields is the best chance to turn it around. I think he has the ability to make mo- the most out of nothing. However, with Justin Fields, I think my next takeaway is Ryan Pace should absolutely, regardless of the outcome of the season, lose his job at the end of the season. He's done a horrible job of putting talent on the field there. His, I guess, biggest win is getting Khalil Mack, sure, but his also biggest blunder is trading up one spot for Mitch Trubisky. 
that should always be on his permanent record period. So he thank you very much. The season, they're not winning the division. They're not winning it, so they're going to miss the playoffs. Like, there's no way they're going to come as a wild card. Yeah. I don't believe it. He should lose his job regardless. But Matt Nagy needs to be fired today. Matt Nagy, <laughs> I have been again. I've been off his bandwagon. I've never bought into Matt. Nagy. I've never drank the Matt Nagy Kool Aid. He should be fired immediately. The fact that he can only give his rookie quarterback 0.78 seconds to throw is an entirely scheme thing. Yes, Cleveland has unreal talent on the defensive line, but that's ridiculous. You have to scheme better. You have to do more <laughs> than putting your players in position. I heard a great quote from Dan Orlovsky talking about the Giants that I think actually applies even more to Matt Nagy. The quote was, they put their players in position, and that's it. Not position to succeed. That's Matt Nagy right now. He is not mm-hmm. giving – it was Andy Dalton under center or Justin Fields. He's not doing anything to help either of them. And Andy Dalton is better than people give him credit for. And even he can't do shit with what Matt Nagy is giving him. That's entirely on Matt Nagy. He should be fired today. Second point, speaking of Matt Nagy, <laughs> his old Well, just let me jump right in there for half a second. Miles Garrett getting four and a half sacks in one crazy. game. To your yeah, point crazy. about scheme, it's one guy. You'd think yeah. after a couple of sacks, you would say, I don't care what we have to do. We're that guy is not guys. getting another one. Yeah. We're having seven yeah. guys in the line of scrimmage on every single play, even if they rush four. That's what right. you have to do because you clearly couldn't stop them otherwise. So figure it out, Matt Nagy. Come on. Protect your rookie quarterback. <laughs> okay, continue. The future. <laughs> so, and the next point is we're talking about Matt Nagy. Obviously, he was he cut his teeth under, under Andy Reid in Kansas City. You guys touched on it too. I think Kansas City's in trouble. And it's not because they lost two in a row. Any team can lose two in a row. The, my Patriots made a friggin' habit out of losing, of splitting, of going 500 in September and then winning Super Bowls. It's not, losing in September does not mean you're going to be a failure in the playoffs. What I do worry about is Andy Reid's health problems. So he left the game in an ambulance and apparently he's doing well. And I really do knock on wood, hope he recovers his, his all yeah. fine. But you wonder with a guy who's Andy Reid's age, who is an older coach and who is notoriously not in the best shape as a coach, you do wonder how that might impact their season because what if now his focus is more on preserving his own health and less than the team, which it should be. It should be. But that is something that I'm like, if your head coach can't even be fully focused on winning, then how can you expect the team to as well? And especially when you have the Chargers who are ascending as a team, Justin Herbert, who, you know, Patrick Mahomes has to believe it now. He's seen it in person. He whooped his butt. (laughs) So, and again, the Raiders the past few years have always been a team that inexplicably, even when they were garbage, gave Casey trouble. So I'm not saying that Casey's going to lose their division. I still think they should be favorites. But I think how they rebound the next few weeks Will absolutely define their season. Absolutely. If they if they even if they go even one and four, then that's a really huge mountain to climb out of. Or if they even go one and you know one and three, two and four, two and three, something like that, that's going to put them at a disadvantage. So how they rebound the next few weeks will absolutely define their season. So those yeah. are my main takeaways there, and I'm happy to talk about any of them, or if we want to talk about some donkeys, because boy, do I have some donkeys for you. <laughs> well, no. So what I'll say about the Andy Reid situation is. Um... I agree with you, and this can either this this can go two ways. So uh, thoughts and prayers with Andy Reid, and I hope he makes a full recovery. And it was just a scare, and it was nothing serious. Um, but to your point, if he does have to miss any time, I think he's the type of coach that you know he's going to come back if there's any way whatsoever, Definitely. and he'll be 100 percent focused. He's probably the type of guy that will push himself too hard. Um, but I fully, I fully believe that the the doctors are going to be all over him uh, to make sure that he's not back in the saddle uh, too early, too fast, too hard, you know, um, until his health is, is squared away. 
That said, if he does have to miss any time, it can go two ways. And we've seen this with, with, you know, teams and players uh, throughout the NFL's history is when tough times hit, sometimes it brings out the best in the teams. The team rallies, the team comes together even more. They play for each other. They play for their coach and that kind of thing. So just keep an eye on that. Um, and the other thing I'll mention too is that Eric Bieniemy has been uh, interviewed for and chasing a high um, a head coaching job for years. And as far as I believe, undeservedly has not gotten a head coaching job. So you know, um, I think he's probably more than capable of stepping up and providing that kind of leadership to a team that really believes in him and what he's been able to do with that offense. Um, So, you know, I, me, I'm not that worried about it. I think they're probably going to come out of this um, straighten out the ship. Yeah. Straighten out the ship and and get on with things and do their job. Absolutely. Okay. Um, Let's just open the floor then to, what else jumped out at you guys this week or was there anything? Oh, I don't know. Do we have any hot takes we can throw out there and just bandy about well, it? While we're, while we're just kind of on the tail end of talking about uh, Kansas city, uh, we were talking on the weekend, uh, Nick about that game. And, and I kind of chuckled. I s- said, well, like San Diego figured out Patrick Mahomes, and then I stopped myself and I kind of said, "Well, <laughs> uh, figured out is a little bit of a strong word." Yeah, they figured out a formula. I think, I think to beat Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, uh, the issue <laughs> is actually accomplishing it. <laughs> um, they they rushed Mahomes very well. They were able to shut down Tyree Kill downfield. They gave up yep. some underneath stuff to to Kelsey, but they always had guys on him and deep enough to take care of him once he got the ball. So he wasn't necessarily uh, getting the same kind of yak that he sometimes does. And and so all of this was was a great formula for beating Mahomes, but it, it's just it's so insurmountable for so many teams in the league to sit there and go, okay, we're, we're going to contain Mahomes. We're going to rush him real well. We're going to blanket Tyreek Hill and we're going to keep Kelsey in front of us. That alone, there, there's probably like three teams in the league that can go toe to toe with the Casey offense and, and accomplish those three things. So, I mean, it's a funny kind of formula, but. It just has to, the the thing is too that formula relies so much on so many things going your way. Yeah. Like it's not just a formula like we do this and it equals that. It's we do this and if everything goes just right and all the dominoes fall just right and the ball bounces the right way, then we have a shot at winning. But honestly, like for me personally, my formula would be put two guys on Tyreek Hill the whole game, I don't know that I would rush the house at Pat Mahomes. To me, that's really dangerous. Yeah, it can break your way. You could definitely get it done. But it can go a whole lot of wrong ways, too. Yep. Well, Kel- from what Kelsey, I saw, they, they, they weren't Kelsey. throwing a lot of blitzers at him, but they were just rushing really strong with three, four guys. 
they were getting pressure on him every play without throwing extra players at him. And that's well, why that's I say the key. Like, that's the this key. is yeah, you personnel got, I mean, getting, dependent. Like, right. getting, if you don't have the yeah. personnel, if you don't have the back end to take care of Tyree Kill, to be able to put two guys on Tyree Kill and still cover everybody else and have, you know, a three, four man rush that is actually getting pressure. Yeah. Most teams like can't, can't do that. You can't Period. rush five or six every play and expect to no. stop them. My issue is that I would like the lesser of the evils is Kelsey. He's an exceptional tight end. But if they're throwing to Kelsey every play, the drive is going to be longer. The thing that scares me is those, those really quick turnaround touchdowns where they throw the ball over the top to Tyree Kill. And it's like they, they chew up a lead in no time. Yeah, that's like you're up two touchdowns and then five minutes later you're you're tied like that's what's destructive so i don't know i don't know what to make of it kansas city is as far as i'm concerned they're still as dangerous as ever their defense is their weakness i think um but you know their offenses i don't think their offense is all that problematic Edward Hilaire has looked well, looked good this year. They're mixing things up nicely. You still got Kelsey and Tyree Kill at the top of their game. You know, I think maybe the only thing they're missing is they're missing a couple of those other receivers that were real. Um, there was that multiple threat of receivers where you had Mecole Hardman and uh, oh shoot, I just lost his name. Sammy Watkins left for the Sammy Watkins. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Anyways, I still think they're dangerous, but yeah, they gotta they gotta dig themselves out of a little bit of a hole uh, of a hole here. And but I agree with you, Phil, that you know going one and two in the first three games is not the end of the world. We've seen the Patriots turn that around plenty of times. So we'll see. Um, do you mind if I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna just touch on the Niners short you know briefly here, um, and then we can get into our man man of the week donkey of the week segment. Um, and this. This you brought up the Chiefs, and when you were talking about you know double teaming Tyree Kill, it made me think. You know, I saw the same thing in the Niners Green Bay game. In that all game, Rogers only has one guy to throw to. Like, there's only one guy on the field that you you need to be afraid of. Taytonian's good. Half production. He literally had half yes. the receptions, half the yards, and half the touchdowns that Rogers threw. Right, like. He's got a couple other guys that are okay. Tunyon's good. His other two receivers, I, I don't even know who necessarily is the, the two or the three or the four or whatever. They're just kind of a bunch of guys. Like, who cares? But you got Devontae Adams, the best receiver in the league. He only has one guy. He's only throwing to that guy all game. So why aren't you doubling him every single play? Triple him. Like Devontae, Devontae Adams had 18 targets. No sickening. other receiver had more than four. Ooh. It's sickening. And as much as I as much as I was not impressed with Garoppolo, okay, and I was getting tired of those commentators giving him way too much credit for mediocre to poor throws. At the end of the game, we were in a position to win the game. There was 37 seconds left. Rodgers gets the ball. 
and he throws the ball to Devonte Adams twice for big plays, and he was wide open. There's nobody else on the field you need to be covering except Devonte Adams, and you let him get ten yards between him and the nearest guy. How is that possible? I just, I'm sorry. That was awful. Like, scheme. Figure, I mean, I could give the donkey of the week to the defensive coordinator. Sorry, D'Amico Ryans, but that, that needs, like, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that's where they're going. He is throwing it to Devontae Adams. There's less than a minute left. Like, make sure that guy is not anywhere. There, there is no open field near him. You've got three guys draped over him. Anyways. I digress. Just, I, quickly to that point, Nick, what do you think about – here's a floater. What do you think about potentially trading Jimmy Garoppolo in a first-round pick to the Jets for Robert Sala back? <laughs> That's all your – Oh, my team. God. No, get out of here. <laughs> and a first-round pick? What yeah, first-round pick? Why not? Come on. Hey, we just gave up all our first-round picks for the next three years to get Trey, Trey Lance. Come on. Yeah, maybe you package in Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo instead. <laughs> Take Zach uh, Wilson back instead yeah. <laughs> along with Robert Sala. How about that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Give us back C.J. Beathard. <laughs> where, where is he anyway? He's not with the Jets, is he? I have no idea now. <laughs> okay. Man of the week, donkey of the week. Who's going first? Bill? I can jump in. I can kick us off. Or, yeah, I'm happy to kick yeah, us yeah. off. I got, some, uh, yeah, I got some heat for you guys Go here. The man of the week is actually a little low-key. I was going to give it to Justin Tucker, but that did feel a little too obvious, I think. I think of the fact that he kicked a, a, a game-winner doink to break the lion's hearts in a 66 yards what a hero like, yeah. i will give miss flowers for there but he's not my man of the week my man of the week is a little more unsung and it's a little more probably out of left field this is probably actually not the right guy to do, give it to but it's dj Moore for me and for as obscure of a reason as he's getting off the fourth best start ever for wide receiver in Panthers history which is really not that all impressive considering the only guy better through better starts was steve smith all three times but the reason I think that's so impressive is not only is do you have a new quarterback that you're working with, but you also lost Curtis Samuel for agency. That was a guy who was taking away coverage from you. And then you've also Christian McCaffrey, as great as he is, is is entering the realm or is entering that period of the superstardom, I guess, where he's kind of he's kind of becoming Todd Gurley in a sense. Like he's great when he's on the field, but how often he's on the field and how long is it going to take before his explosiveness is completely deteriorated, right? So the fact that he's getting out to this hottest start with a new quarterback with less people around him uh, to take off um, any kind of, I guess, attention. I want to give him his flowers for that because I really think he's showing some real uh, growth this week so or this year, rather. So DJ Moore, I think, is my personal man of the week. Although, in, in fairness, it probably should be Justin Tucker. <laughs> but as far <laughs> as the okay. go... Justin Tucker's low-hanging fruit. Everybody knows That's he's the man of the week. He's the man of the, absolutely. yeah, you know, man of the season with that kick in the, absolutely. the but, kicker's room. Right. Who cares about kickers, though? Well, yeah, and that, that's the thing, too, is you can make an argument that Justin Tucker is, like, officially the greatest kicker of all time. Yeah, he's got sure. He's already got the highest field goal percentage. He's already won a Super Bowl. Like, yeah. the kick, Super Bowls for kickers really fucking matter. Ben Terry has four Super Bowls, but even he's Thumbs up, man. on cold streets. Yeah. But, you got one uh, job. Yeah, exactly. And he's been as automatic. <laughs> and he's <as> good. <laughs> yeah. And he has never had the yips like any like most other great kickers. Right. That's what I respect most about Justin Tucker. Right. He's somehow been – steady consistently great yeah. since 2012 in a way that no other kicker has no he's never had that one or two years <clears throat> mason crosby where you're just like <laughs> totally terrible <laughs> yeah absolutely he's just always been consistent the top dead in the, the waters 
Yeah. Yeah. So donkey of the week. Yeah, this, this is, is where it gets juicy. As always, <laughs> as always, when uh, when this man gets a win, his uh, supporters are shouting "goat" from every rooftop. But whenever he loses, it's always got no, no help around him. So this donkey of the week for me are Aaron Rodgers stands, and for losing their minds over his literal first comeback ever against a team with a winning record get the hell out of here you lost your mind against that and to your point nick it's not like this the niners had a good defensive game plan there to keep Devonte adams from getting that ball catching that ball essentially that put them in field goal range right so Aaron Rodgers fans <laughs> are absolute donkeys let me hit you some stats real quick since the nfl in 2005 aaron Rodgers is 36 and 43 which is sub 500 for people who can't do math in their heads against teams that finished the season with a winning record over that same, or rather since 2000, when Tom Brady in the league, he's 74 and 47. So 6.11 winning percentage. So the same people granted he played for the Patriots, but even still his average went down when he, when he, his first season against the bucks with the bucks last year. And he went one and four against winning teams. And guess who was the only winning team that he beat last year, the Packers. And he did it twice. Okay. So miss <laughs> me with this after this prison of the moment bullshit, because he had his literal first comeback ever against the team with a winning record, now he's somehow better still than Tom Brady. Are you serious? How many more Super Bowls this man got to win before you stop shilling Aaron Rodgers? He is not nearly the greatest quarterback of all time. He's at best the 10th best quarterback of all time. I am sick and tired as Aaron Rodgers stands. Congratulations, your 37-year-old guy finally got his first win, comeback win against the team with a winning record. Congratulations. Way to go, you. <laughs> Come on now. Come on. You guys are absolute donkeys. Let's see this in the playoffs because I have not seen this in the playoffs, and we will not either. So, let's <laughs> okay. uh, Beautiful. I, I love it. I'm going to jump in on the tail of that and, and start with my donkey of the week because he, he's the quarterback on the other side of the ball in that same <laughs> game. Jimmy Garoppolo, oh my God, he was frustrating. Watching the whole game, I don't know that I watched uh, a quarterback this week that looked like he was doing less with more. (laughs) Um, He had all of the tools to put that game away. And aside from like seemingly throughout the whole game, his throws were... 18 inches off target. Every single time he had to place the ball, it was 18 to 24 inches behind the guy above. He was making his receivers jump across the middle of the field and they were getting dinged in the ribs constantly all night. It was difficult to watch. And, and then you come down to the end of the game. And while I can't give him zero credit for putting his team in a position to win. He also put them in the position to lose with that God awful fumble. Like, Oh, it, it was right up there with Mark Sanchez's butt fumble for me. It was ugly <laughs> and it was ill-timed and it was unnecessary. And he just, it, gotta, it was, it was the, what are you doing? Moment of the game. Absolutely. What are you doing? Don't throw it backwards. Yeah. And 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 actually, um, within a few plays of that, I think, he actually threw a pass that was a hitch pass backwards to Brandon Ayuk. And it went out of bounds. And I, 
I think the refs even called it an incomplete pass for him, but it was it was backwards and it was ill timed and it 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 was a, an ugly situation, but it felt watching him like he was doing everything in his power to lose the game. <laughs> and you know, uh, even even uh, when they they scored the touchdown with Trey Lance. They had, I don't know, five, six chances to put the ball in the end zone before Trey Lance finally ran it in. And yeah, it felt like, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Like, you get me, Garoppolo, Garoppolo I mean, a, a couple a couple of the receivers dropped balls too, so it wasn't all on him, but it just felt like he was not playing up to an NFL quarterback standard. And when the team around him, looks like they're talented enough to be contending for a Super Bowl. That's my opinion, is they have enough talent on that team that they could be up in those conversations, the top five, six teams in the league, except for him, except yeah, for no, the quarterback position. Yeah, I agree position. with you 100%. It's, it's frustrating. It's extra frustrating. It's not that he's a terrible quarterback in the scheme of things, but when you have a Super Bowl-caliber roster, it does feel like he's kind of holding them back. And it, it brings up feelings of that Super Bowl when we we were in control of the game and then it felt like he didn't quite have enough to get us over the finish line. So He looked yeah, antsy, was, he looked timid, he was yeah, a scared. little bit discombobulated and yeah. throwing, so scared, the, balls he was throwing the ball backwards. Yeah. 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 It oof. It it was it was a rough game for him. Uh and and the fact that at the end of the game he he had that shit-eating grin on his face was just kind of... Oh, yeah. Right? He just lost. He was like... He looked excited, like, wow, wow. I I went toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers. Like, wow. Hey, we almost won. Isn't that exciting? No, you fucking lost. And and this game, they should have won. They should have won. I'm convinced they should have beaten them. And, uh, you know, they, they let it they let it slip away. I don't know. I All right. Yeah, I don't I don't hate that pick. I don't hate that pick. I mean Yeah. Anyways, hey, I, go, didn't, I didn't get week. to my goat. My yeah, my or sorry, my uh, man of the week uh was Kirk Cousins. As, as much as we right. talked, we've talked <laughs> about him not being, you know, maybe the upper echelon kind of quarterback in the league. Man, he he brought it this week and uh you know, going up against Seattle, uh not a not an easy team to play uh, at any point in time. And, you know, Cousins was 30 for 38, 323 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. Like, fantastic, man. And he was on the money. All game, you watched him, his passes were crisp. He was seeing the field. He was putting it in the right guy's hands at the right time. And and he pulled out a win against uh, what I think is a is a pretty good team. Uh, and Russell Wilson had a good game too. It wasn't it wasn't like uh, the Seattle was just having an off day. No, like Minnesota took it to them, and and Cousins set the tone for that. So I, I got to give him lots of credit there. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay, my uh, my man of the week. I already kind of touched on him, so we don't have to do a whole lot with it. But I'm gonna I'm gonna give 
some more love to Deshaun Jackson. He's always been a favorite of mine. And he's bounced around the league the last few years. He's had some injuries. But to see him still be able to take the top off the defense and to see him catching footballs from Matthew Stafford, it really was a thing of beauty. You got one of the strongest arms in the league throwing to one of the fastest guys in the league. And even if he is getting a little bit long in the tooth, he's still got wheels. So big props to Deshaun Jackson. Let's, uh, let's hope he stays healthy and uh, he can be a real, a real key piece to that Rams offense. As much as I'm not rooting for the Rams, reminder, I'm a Niners fan, but <laughs> yeah, I like, I like Deshaun Jackson, you know, let's, so let's go back in time a little bit and just remind everyone that this guy was five. How tall is he? This guy is sub six feet. And he's five, he five, ten. five ten, and he came into the league at 165 pounds. And then he's only 175 now. <laughs> right. he's, he's, he's got old man strength now. <laughs> but the narrative at the time was that he was too small. He was too slight. How, how durable is he going to be? Is he going to survive in the league? Is he going to get blown up and be out of the league in a couple of years and blah, 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 blah. You know, Kudos, congratulations. You've lasted a very long time. You've been an exceptional player, and uh, he's still doing it. He's still balling, and he's 34 years old. So good for you, buddy. Uh, my go to the week, or uh, my donkey of the week, donkey of the week, is, um, again, I already tell you, know, I'm going to say that my, my, uh, Honorable mention goes to the Monday Night Football crew, commentating crew. They were awful. They 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 really got to me. Um, it just felt like they were beating the dead horse the whole the whole game and you know piling on to Jalen Hurts. That said, I think my donkey of the week is going to be <laughs> Chris. I wish Chris was here for this. Big Ben, big old Ben Roethlisberger. Well, and this is going to be, here's my case. Okay. And you could, you can argue with me. I know a lot of people probably wouldn't agree with me because the guy on, on the, the face of it, the guy threw 58 passes and he was 38 for 58. So he completed 65% of his passes. But when you go 38 for 58 and you only throw the 318 yards, and I know he threw for 300 yards, like, what are you doing, Nick? Why are you piling on this guy when he threw for 300 yards? Okay, look at this. They lost to Cincinnati. They only put up 10 points. He threw the ball 58 times. He completed 38 passes, and they only scored 10 points. He threw one touchdown and two interceptions. So his average yard per completion was well under 10 yards. Can somebody do the math for me on that one? Like he averaged just over eight yards per completion. But don't, don't they usually talk in terms of per pass? Per attempt. Yeah, yeah. Per per attempt. attempt. So per attempt. Like his average per attempt is five yards. That is awful. That's, that's below Blaine Gabbert zone. That is uh, terrible. That's below replacement level quarterback. And my brother, like that is Mr. Dink and Dunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so, to Chris's point, if I can speak on his behalf, he's been – Furious and Steelers keeping out to Big Ben the past two years. And I think the best, to your point, Nick, the clip that most sums up his futile day 
<laughs> was the TikTok kind of making the rounds of Big yeah. Ben with the most unlike move ever, shuffling to his right, throwing the the pass across. His, well, just literally just dumping it across and then immediately falling over. And as if late face planting. Was, yeah, just doing yeah, a face plant. Correct. Yeah, tripped over like, his own feet. Like, that's what happens when you have a guy who for five, six years now has been waffling retirement, not really fully committed to the game, and the Steelers right. don't want to cut bait. And he has no joints left. No, but it's like Bill Belichick could not push Tom out of the door fast enough, and he's still to go and still has, by his own admission, could play five more years. And I right. don't see a reason why he couldn't. But this guy's fucking six years older than Big Ben, and Big Ben is completely washed and has been, you could argue, the past year and a half, two years. So it's like, guys, Steelers, like, are you trying to wait? Yeah, I think um, he hit it last year. He was okay last year. Uh, this year feels like the year he he goes off a cliff and that usually happens with the old quarterbacks right it's like you're good until you're not and then you're just really bad so uh he didn't look very good he's really shaky and you know it felt at the beginning of the season it looked like they were going to try and commit to the run a little bit more and and try and build something there i don't know i guess they're still trying to gel in matt canada's new system but Having Ben Roethlisberger throw the ball 58 times is uh, irresponsible. I don't think well, he can put the game on his on his back anymore. He's not going to no. do that for you. So he's he's my you know, and it almost feels bad. I almost feel bad giving him the donkey of the week because it's like picking on an old man. You know what I mean? It's like picking a fight with the old man at the bus stop. Like it's not his fault. He's old. He's just senile. Old. <laughs> yeah, you know, like it's like standing in line and, and the old man's moving too slow, so you, you push him out of the way, you donkey. But <laughs> Kick his cane out from under him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> but I got to do it. <laughs> well, to be fair, that, that uh, meme of uh, Roethlisberger tripping over his own feet pretty much looked like somebody kicked the cane out from right, under yeah, him. Right, exactly. <laughs> out of my way, kicked the cane out from the side <laughs> <laughs> took a yeah. header oh that was i ugly. know i know but yeah no to, to your point too like they haven't committed to the run they've got Najee harris i i don't know how good he's gonna be but uh they they had 15 rush attempts and yeah. one of them was big ben which was obviously not a run so they had 14 rush attempts on the whole game which is terrible that is not, and you got fifty-eight passes in Roethlisberger's old man arm. Like, this is not the right distribution. Even if Najee Harris was pumping out two yards a carry, he should have had twenty-five carries. Yep. You Just keep going it. at it, and he's a and big. It's not guy. like you got blown out. It's not like you were in a shootout. You're playing Cincinnati. You don't have to throw the ball fifty-eight times. Anyways. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So, all right, let's finish this up. We're going to wrap it up. But um, is there any other teams? Well, I'm going to start this off. Forget. I'm not going to. I'm not going to ask you guys. I'm going to start this off based on what we just talked about, and I'm going to say I'm going to add the Steelers to my list of teams that are out. They're not making the playoffs. No, Put a fork in them. Yep, they're they're coaching. agreed. The Bengals maybe a hot take, but I don't think they got it. Uh, so I think uh, I think back in the before the season started, I, if I recall correctly, I said the Steelers would finish fourth in the division. My brother laughed at me. He said they'd be the Bengals. <laughs> and guess who's going to be right? So uh, I hope we have the clip because I'm going to 
<laughs> show that down Chris's throat. <laughs> we might be able to dig it up. Season. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just uh, when he's listening, Chris, just so you know, we called this. The Steelers will be the fourth team in the division, and the well, Bengals see, that's it. will be above him. <laughs> I called the Steelers to finish second. I think I thought they were going to come out and actually have a good season. I called the the Ravens to finish third, and that looks terribly, terribly inaccurate from uh, three games in. But yeah, no, I'm I'm now saying <laughs> my new hot take: <laughs> the Steelers, the Steelers are done. <laughs> yeah, agreed. What a, what a, I I think I I think I called for it to go uh, Browns, Ravens, Steelers, Bengals. But honestly, Bengals have looked more competent so far, and and I don't see. I I thought the Steelers' trajectory was going to be downward. But uh, I, I didn't expect quite as downward as they seem so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It's been a rough start to the season, and, oh, and yeah, honestly, like unless unless Najee Harris turns into Derrick Henry in the next three weeks, uh, yeah, they're they're not going anywhere fast. Okay, that was great. Thanks, guys. Absolutely, that was fun. Job well done. Keep it up. Absolutely. Another week in the book. Yeah, we'll do it again next week. Phil, you around next week? I'm around. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to be here for as many as I possibly can. I'm making this a priority of mine because I love talking shit. I, I'll never miss an opportunity to Aaron Rodgers, and I love talking shit with you fellas in football. So I'll be around as often as I can and swing it. So absolutely, exceptional. That's great news. And I think your uh, the clone is the same. Yeah, I think your clone is going to be in next week as well. So we'll have a full house. That's great. Awesome. Okay, I'll have to cook something uh, something special up for next week. Looking <laughs> right. forward to it. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. Cheers, Take care.